welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Thank you for riding along with us today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived at our webpage, you can find many things, such as a link to buy our book, Got a Job, links to everywhere you can find our podcast, links to our Boomer's General Store and our Amazon Store. Around here where we live, there are a lot of cows. Northeastern Kansas is kind of hilly, and a lot of farmland surrounds the Kansas City area. We live a ways away from Kansas City, but not so far that we couldn't pop up there for something. Anyway, there are cows everywhere. Most of them are Angus cows, you can see them. The black cows you see out on the hillsides. Where I was born and raised, it was famous for having a Hereford cow, a red cow with a white face. I've spoken about those Herefords before. Hard to see a Hereford cow around here. Well, the other day, I was reading about some folks we know down in Oklahoma, and they're talking about how they take their baby cows up into a ranch they own in Kansas to separate them away from the mama so they can get weaned. Got me thinking. You know, cows are a big, powerful animal. They're very docile and very domesticated, and yet they can be quite wild, and they can kill you. A cow can kill you. So when you read about these kids that go and tip a cow over in the middle of the night, that's just hooey as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that's even doable. I think that's just an urban legend or some kind of weird wild tale. I've known people who've gotten hurt badly by a cow. But cows are great. We have domesticated them and they have furnished me with hamburger and Kansas City strip steak like nobody's business. I do like cows a lot. Although they can be a pain in the patoot, they can get right out of a five-strand barbed wire fence because the grass looks greener to them on the other side of the fence, I guess. I don't know. But it made me wonder... You see these movies and stories and maybe video clips of bulls taking on a car, actually maybe tipping the car over. And so how did we domesticate cows back in the day? Back when we were still, you know, hunting with spears, we domesticated the cow. I do believe one reason, and and I, I looked this up and they said back in the day, before we even knew that we were a civilization, man domesticated a wild musk, and that is the forebearer of today's cattle as we know them. But the one thing I understand is we don't domesticate elk or deer or moose or animals such as that. And why were we able to capture the cow and domesticate him, be able to fence him in and have dominion over him pretty much and he serves us a cow serves us in so many ways so anybody that wants to come against us killing the poor cow next time you want to super glue something just remember our friends the cow okay they help us in so many ways that you'll never even know we use every bit of that cow thank you mr cow but how did we get there how did we not domesticate the elk 
and yet we domesticated the cow. And I came up with a theory and a philosophy, because if I'm nothing, it's somebody that comes up with some wild and crazy ideas. That's what I do. Too bad they don't pay me for that. Well, this is my theory on how we were able to domesticate a cow. I spoke earlier about my friends that have that ranch down in Oklahoma that take the baby cows clear to another state, separate them from mama so they can be weaned. At six months old, that baby cow, the calf, is still nursing. And he probably nursed until the day that the mama died, if you'd let it. So we have to actually separate them. Mama will go crazy. Baby will go crazy. They're not going to wean on their own. So at six months old, they have to totally separate the baby from the mama. At 60 days old, an elk is totally 100% weaned. Yeah, but that's a wild animal. They have to be on the go. Well, what about before we domesticated the cows? Weren't they wild? They had to be wild. We were wild. Wilder than we are now. So my theory is, by that baby becoming so dependent on mama, and mama being dependent upon the baby nursing, and being dependent on her, she's not willing to let go. And of course, the baby's not willing to let go. You have to push the baby bird out of the nest to see if it's going to fly. They set themselves up to be domesticated and totally dependent upon man to feed them, to care for them, and their days of being born free are over, and they serve us. And if we are not willing to let go of what we are dependent upon, we will be just a bunch of cows, I guess. Anyway, a little food for thought there on how did cows become domesticated. Now, you say, well, what about the horse? What about the dog? Different stories there, different type of animals. I'm just saying about animals we eat. And I know you can eat a horse, and Indians ate dogs, but I'm not going to eat my dog. There's no way I'm going to eat my dog. My dog's my friend. And that's how we became partners in the trail of life, is dog and man are friends. Not so uncommon as horse and man. But cow and man are not friends. Make no mistake about it. No matter how good they taste, they are not your friend. Best thing to do is not name your cow if you have cows that you're raising to not milk but to beef cattle to eat. Anyway, is that a monologue? Did I just do a monologue? That may have been my monologue today. So enough for the monologue. It is the middle of summer. We're past the 4th of July. Hope you had a good 4th. The rocket's red glare, the bomb's bursting in air. Speaking of dogs, I don't know many dogs around that put up with that. That's okay. Let them be in the house that night. Let them hide under the bed. That's okay. With the advent of the 4th of July, most of you are probably eating a little watermelon already this summer. I used to grow watermelons. I was a good watermelon grower. The way I grow watermelons is, number one, you got to remember, watermelon is not a product of North America. It came to us from Africa. Well, it gets hotter and hotter here in Kansas in the summertime. It does. And that's good weather to grow watermelons. The way I do watermelons is I build a little mound, a little hill, out of sand. 
And that sucker's probably, you know, 40 inches by 40 inches. And it probably stands up 6 inches. So 40 inch by 40 inch by 6 inches tall. After that, after I build my mound up, I cover it and I cover about a 30 by 40 or 40 by 40 foot area with heavy duty black plastic cover the hill I cover the lawn or the garden or whatever area you do on weeds whatever just cover it now I plant three watermelon plants on that hill not right next to each other probably within a foot of each other or so I guess you could do four but three seems to be sufficient my favorite kind of watermelon to grow was the crimson sweet it can get large it's very sweet I've grown Charleston Grays and Black Diamonds and Sugar Babies. I've planted several different kinds. My Crimson Sweet is my favorite. What you do is you water the heck out of it and it starts to grow a vine. You train the vines. You have three plants, right? You train the vines. One goes one way, one goes another way, and one goes the other way. So they're kind of separated. They're all going to grow together eventually because it's going to take that whole 30 by 40 or 40 by 40 area in watermelon vines. Once they start getting melons on them, and you can see them, there'll be a flower and then the melon starts growing. That's when I stop watering them. Before that, I water the heck out of them. And then I just kind of let it go on its own. I water them very, very seldom after that. Let any rains that'll happen, happen. But those melons will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Once the little tendril that attaches the melon to the vine starts to die, once it turns brown, your melon is ripe. There's other ways to do it, and you can get on social media and see about the bottom of it, what color. If it's a cream color or white color, you don't want it to be green like the top of the melon. There's stripes on the crimson sweets that you can check and all that stuff. But I would grow 50-pound watermelons that are very, very sweet. Very good. You know, a lot of 20-pounders and stuff. And if you find a 20-pounder in a store, that's a pretty big melon anymore. But you can have watermelons coming out the wazoo if you just do those few things that I said. Once my old dog, Sandy, died, I had some kind of a critter taking my melons and taking them out into the field, like rolling them out into the field and busting them open and eating part of them. Drive me crazy till I figured out it was deer. So then I had to build some chicken wire around them and stuff. And it was such a pain in the patoot that I stopped growing melons years ago. But I still have pictures to prove what they were. And people that I gave watermelons to that still tell me that those are the best watermelons they ever had. I love watermelon. That sweet red flush of the melon. These watermelons you bought at the store today don't have any seeds. But you know what? I always kept my seeds and planted seeds the next year. I'd spit those seeds out. I didn't care. I like watermelon seeds. Once in a while, I'd chew up on one. I liked the little white ones that were in the melon itself, not the big black seeds. But they're okay. I think the reason they've genetically applied this uh, seedless watermelon it makes it more user friendly also you can't get seeds to grow your own you have to go out and buy a little plant 
I just soon grow my own. But I do like watermelon and I will stop at a farmer's stand and buy watermelon. I'm not real crazy about going to the store and buy them, but I will in a pinch. I like those little roadside stands. You know what I'm talking about? You don't see them very often anymore, but they're still around. Maybe farmer's markets, you know? Buy it from a guy like that if you have a chance, if you're not going to grow your own. But remember, if you grow your own, the sand hill, the black plastic. Don't worry about injuring them. They like that black plastic. They like it hot. They really do. Now for a segment we call skipping. The word skip as a noun means a light bouncing step, a gait composed of alternating hops and steps. It also, as a noun, is an act of omission or a thing omitted. I'm going to skip that today. Another way skip is used as a noun, the captain of a game like Skipper or maybe Skipper on Gilligan's Island. You're, you're talking about a title. As a verb, to move or proceed with leaps and bounds or with a skip, to bound off of one point after another or ricochet, it's skipped off of it, to leave hurriedly or secretly, I'm going to skip out of that meeting or I'm going to skip paying my bill. I used to hate that when they skipped out on the bill and you'd have to go track them down. To pass over or omit. To omit a grade in school and advance to the next. So I skipped fifth grade. I went right from fourth to sixth. I didn't, but you know. To pass over without notice. Omit is you skipped it. I skipped her name. I omitted her name. To pass by or leave out. We skipped old Skip over there. Speaking of Skip, one of my favorite people in the world growing up was the guy at the lumber yard, old Skip. I even worked for him for a while. I made podcasts about me and the lumbery truck and Skip. One thing I always like to do in a body of water, and I don't hear at my pond because we don't have any rocks around it, but you go to the lake, those lakes up by my little hometown, We'd go to the lake and we'd skip stones, throw that little rock kind of side sidearm at the water and it skipped three or four or five times on the top of the water before it sunk into the water. I miss those days. I don't even know if I can skip a stone anymore. Can you skip? I looked it up on Google and, and YouTube had things of people skipping rope, but to skip where you, you lift one foot and you hop forward on the other foot and then you come down the foot that you lifted and then you lift the other foot and you hop on the one that's down on the ground forward over and over and over skipping can you skip i tried to skip the other day in preparation for this podcast and i could not do it or could barely do it or about fell on my face doing it it was as hard as bowling was i talked about six months ago Oh, I mean, I used to do that. I had a, my youngest daughter would skip everywhere. Everywhere she went, she would skip when she was a little girl. Skip, skip, skip to my loo. Try it. Now, don't get hurt and don't say that I talked you into skipping. But if you have a mind to, you know, find a place that's well padded and try skipping. You'll be amazed how you can't do it. Maybe you can. 
You can always write me and tell me how these things came out by writing me at babyboomertales at gmail.com. So I'll read it. I might even answer you. Gift to My Lou was a popular party game for U.S. President Abraham Lincoln's youth in southern Indiana when he was growing up with verses such as Hurry up, slow poke, do oh do, I'll get her in spite of you. Gone again, what shall I do? I'll get another girl sweeter than you. Skip, skip, skip to my loo. Skip to my loo was a simple game of stealing partners or swiping partners, as in square dancing. It begins with any number of couples skipping hand in hand around in a ring. A lone boy in the center of the moving circle of couples sings, Lost my partner, what'll I do? As the girls whirl past him. The young man in the center hesitates while he decides which girl to choose, singing, I'll get another one just like you. Do you remember this? I remember this from grade school. When he grasps the hand of his chosen one, the latter's partner moves to the center of the ring. So this guy's just out, this other guy, and he has to move to the center of the ring. It's an icebreaker type of thing, providing an opportunity for the participants to get acquainted with one another and to get in a good mood. Skip to Malu. The song may be derived from an old Creole folk song. The Lou in the title comes from the word Lou which is a Scottish word for love. Okay, skip, skip, skip to my loo. Skip, skip, skip to my loo. Skip, skip, skip to my loo. Skip to my loo, my darling. There's other verses too, though. Fly in the buttermilk shoe, fly shoe. There's a little red wagon painted blue. I lost my partner, what'll I do? Skip to my loo, my darling. I'll get another one as pretty as you. Can't get a red bird, jaybird'll do. Cats in the cream jar, ooh, ooh, ooh. Skip to my loo, my darling. Off to Texas, two by two. Off to Texas, two by two. Off to Texas, two by two. Skip to my loo, my darling. Begin each day with a grateful heart and always be kind. I'll be back next Wednesday. I promise I'll try not to sing. Peace out.